I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Hi, we've been looking at the three key things every Catholic should know about the Eucharist. Do you know the three key aspects of the Eucharist? These are the three things that have been always passed on in the Church's catechetical tradition, and we've been considering them in this little mini-series here. So two weeks ago, we looked at the Eucharist as sacrifice, and last week, we looked at the Eucharist as real presence. Today, in this episode, we're going to turn to the Eucharist as Holy Communion. And I want to talk about this biblically to understand the theological, biblical, foundations for Holy Communion. and But then I want to get practical. I want to look at how can we really encounter Jesus more profoundly at every Holy Communion. When we come back to our pews after we receive the Eucharist, how can we have that be a moment of true encounter with our Lord that bears more fruit in our lives? But first, the biblical foundations here. Uh, a couple things I want you to know about in terms of communion meals in the Bible. You'll see these meals all over the Old Testament, and you see them all throughout Jesus' public ministry. But in ancient Israel, a meal was more than just uh, a way to nourish your body. You, you had a meal with other people, usually family members and those that you were in close covenant kinship with. Uh, and, and the meal expressed solidarity, expressed profound union. Uh, and so they, the idea is that we're, we're families. That's why we're sharing a meal together. Uh, and the meal draws us closer together. But you, you also saw this even with uh, when you made peace treaties with someone. So let's say you had an enemy, but you decided to make a, a covenant peace treaty. What you would do is maybe uh, get together and uh, say some words, solemn words before God to bring peace between you. And then you would take an animal and sacrifice the animal, but it wasn't enough to sacrifice the animal to God. The The two men had to share that animal in a meal together. And the symbolism of that shared meal is this. It's the idea that the same food that's going into my enemy is coming into me. We're both partaking of the same animal and, and we're both sitting at the same table and the same food going into my enemy is going into me and that symbolizes shared life. So this is why in all of these sacrifices in the Old Testament that you see over and over again, so many of them involve more than just sacrificing the animal. It also involves a communion meal. And that just makes sense because God is not interested in having the high priest in the temple just offer up animal blood and guts and see animals torn apart. No, no. God wants communion. He wants to be close to us. And the sacrifice of the animal wasn't enough in most sacrifices. You had to eat of the animal because the symbolism is that uh, as I offer this animal up to God and then I partake of this animal, I've offered the animal and sacrifice to God and now I'm eating of the animal. The idea is that uh, what I offer to God is coming inside me and it's expressing this solidarity between me and God. Just like if I had, uh, had a family member and we were sharing the same meal at the same table, it's, it deepens the solidarity, the union we have as a family. And, and just as I might make a peace treaty with my enemy and the same food going into my enemy is going to me, and that expresses shared life between me and my enemy. Now, we're not brothers now in covenant. The same is true with God. I offer this animal in sacrifice to God, and I'm partaking of the animal itself. And that's symbolizing a shared life now between me and God. That's what God wants. He wants communion. He wants covenant union. That's why in a, an important sacrifice like the Passover, which is the key backdrop to the Eucharist, right? 
We've seen how Jesus institutes the Eucharist at the Last Supper, but that Last Supper wasn't any ordinary meal. It was a Passover meal. And in the Jewish tradition, it wasn't enough to just take a lamb, a Passover lamb, and sacrifice it. You had to eat of the lamb. Going all the way back to the very first Passover in Egypt, when Moses instructed the Israelites to celebrate that Passover, they had to do more than just sacrifice the animal. They had to sacrifice the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, and then eat of the lamb to symbolize their shared union with God. No ancient Israelite would ever dream about just uh, just sacrificing the, the lamb and not eating of it in the context of the Passover meal. You had to eat the lamb. No ancient Israelite would think about, well, you know, I don't really like the taste of lamb, so I'll just make lamb-shaped crackers or lamb-shaped matzah or lamb-shaped cookies, and I'll eat those as, as a reminder of the lamb. No, 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 no. You had to eat the lamb. Why? Because it expresses that communion with God. So think about this. When we look at what St. Paul says about the Eucharist, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 through 8, St. Paul says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Jesus Christ is the Passover lamb. He offers up his body and blood for us on the cross. He dies for our sins. St. Paul celebrates this. He says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And then he says, therefore... Let's celebrate the feast. If Christ is the Passover lamb and he's been sacrificed, what do you expect there to be? If there's a sacrifice to the lamb, is it enough to just sacrifice the lamb? No. What do you have to do? You have to eat of the lamb. If you have sacrifice, you need the communion meal. If you sacrifice the lamb, you got to eat of the lamb. If Jesus Christ is revealed in the New Testament as being the sacrificial Passover lamb that sacrificed for our sins, guess what? It just makes sense there would be. If we're true biblical believing Christians, we follow the biblical pattern, what do we expect there to be? A communion meal. We expect there to be a meal in which we partake of the lamb because it's never enough to just sacrifice the lamb. You have to eat of the lamb. That's why St. Paul says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let's celebrate the feast. What feast is he talking about? In 1 Corinthians, he's talking about the Eucharistic feast. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through 17, isn't the cup the, the cup of blessing? Isn't it a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread we break is a participation in the body of Christ. He's clearly talking about the Eucharistic feast here. So it makes sense. If Jesus is our Passover lamb, then there would be the communion meal. We have to eat of the lamb and his very body, blood, soul, and divinity. The, the body and blood of the lamb, Jesus Christ, is made present to us so we could partake of it. And he comes to dwell within us to express this profound union he wants to have with us. Now, let's go practical. Once we see the biblical foundation, it just makes sense that there would be a communion meal. It'd be just shocking if there wasn't a communion meal, if you didn't have to eat of the lamb, Jesus Christ. That would just be so out of the, 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 the pattern of biblical sacrifice. But let's go practical here. What do we do to make the most of our Holy Communions. You know, I'm reminded of a story of a priest in Spain who um, once wanted to teach a lesson to, to some of his parishioners. There was one woman who came to Mass every day. She, went, she was a daily communicant. It was wonderful. She's very devoted to Jesus. Uh, but she had a habit of leaving right as Mass was ending or even just before Mass ended. So she would receive communion and then she would go out the door. 
And she came to Mass every day, a good woman, but she, she didn't realize that she needed to take time with the Jesus who was inside her. So one day, the, the priest instructed the altar servers to do something very bizarre. Uh, so the altar servers are holding the candles during Mass, and, and, and the, the woman goes up to receive communion. And then all of a sudden, she is walking out the door of the church, and the altar servers, the altar boys, were carrying candles and following her out the door. And then they kept following her down the street. And she's wondering what's going on. She turns a corner and it's in that these altar servers are still following her, carrying these candles. And she's she comes back to the church. She goes, Father, why are they following me around? Tell them to stop. And the priest says to her, don't you realize that when you receive communion, you become like a tabernacle? You become like a temple? And just as we have next to all of our tabernacles, a red candle to remind us of the living flame of love that's there, Jesus Christ, his real presence in the Eucharist. When we receive Holy Communion, we become like a tabernacle. It's a wonderful thing that uh, Jesus is coming to dwell within us. And we want to take time. So that's the first practical thing I want to say is let's make sure we take time for Thanksgiving. When we come back to our pew, this is not the time to look around and see who's at church this week and what they're wearing or to be uh, you know, pondering the, the, what, what the football game is going to be like that afternoon or to be th- developing our parking lot exit strategy. No, 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 no. This is the time to rest with our Lord Jesus, to talk to him, to tell him how much we love him, to thank him. Let's take that time to rest with him. There's the beautiful tradition of thanksgiving. And, and even more than just when we come back to our pew, but even after Mass, after that closing song, this isn't the time to just go up and go give high fives to your friends and check on how they're doing. You know, you know, yes, go see your friends, but take time to see the friend who's dwelling inside you, the friend Jesus Christ, who loves you so much. He came to give his very body and blood to you, to dwell within you in Holy Communion. So to take a few minutes after Mass in just quiet time, to rest with Jesus, to talk to him. Uh, you know, this, this is so important when he's there dwelling within us to pour out our hearts to him. What's really going on in our lives? You know, to pour out petitions for ourselves or inter- intercede for other people who are going through difficult times. This is so important to, to tell Jesus we love him, to tell him what we're thankful for from the last week. If we don't take time to have intimate conversation with Jesus when he's dwelling within us in Holy Communion, when will we really take that time? So practically, let's make sure at every Holy Communion, we, we, we part, when we come back to the pew, we're not looking around, we're not thinking about what's going to happen after Mass. We're really focused on Jesus then. And then secondly, let's take some time even after Mass yeah, I know some people will spend five, ten minutes after Mass just with our Lord while He's dwelling within us in Holy Communion, uh, even if it's just a few minutes. And I know you know there'll be some people that are parents there, and you may have little squirmy kids, and we've got eight squirmy kids from two-year-olds to teenagers. And uh, But I, I think even just a few minutes of just a little bit of quiet, just pull the, you know, kneel down for a little bit and to remind them this is the time that they get to be with Jesus the most where Jesus is listening to them the most. Let's take time to talk to him. If we don't take time to talk to him in Holy Communion, when will we really take time to talk to him? Uh, So let's let let, let that time linger. Uh, A third thing that we could do with our Eucharistic devotion 
is to offer up our Holy Communion for someone or for some special intention. So many Holy Communions go wasted. We're given this great gift and Jesus can ha- wants us to be able to offer the communion for a special in- intention. We can just tell him, I offer this communion, Jesus, for my family. I offer this for this project I'm working on at work or for this initiative at the parish or for the conversion of a friend or for a family member that's going through a hard time or a coworker who has cancer. We can offer up communion for people. And one of the best things we could do, especially for people who've hurt us, people who have, have, have um, not treated us well, we can offer up communion for them. It's a wonderful thing to do because we're called to love our enemy, Jesus says. We don't always have to like our enemy. We should try to, but sometimes that's hard, especially when they frustrate us, when they've hurt us, let us down in some profound way. But we're still called to love them, and to love them is to will what's best for them, to seek what's best for them. And what a wonderful gift it would be is to offer a Holy Communion for that person, for their good, for blessings, the Lord's blessing upon them. That's a wonderful gift we can give them. So uh, let's remember these three things. Let's take time for Thanksgiving right after, right after we come back to the pew to focus on Jesus. Let's linger, secondly, even after Mass, after the closing song, linger for a few minutes, maybe five minutes, just to take time to rest with our Lord, to listen to Him, to talk to Him. And thirdly, let's remember to offer every Holy Communion for some special intention, for something we're working on, some difficult thing we're facing, overcoming sin in our life, a certain weakness we need help with, healing we need in our lives, or for someone else we love, or, or maybe even our enemy. Let's do those three things. Take time, linger after Mass, and thirdly, offer up our Holy Communion. Well, my friends, I hope this has been helpful for you. If you enjoyed this podcast, I want to encourage you to uh, to write a review. If you haven't had a chance to do that on iTunes, go write a review of this podcast. And if you want to learn more about the Eucharist, all I've been sharing with you is from my book that I wrote called A Biblical Walk Through the Mass, understanding what we say and do in the liturgy. And in the opening chapter, I walk through these three key aspects of the Eucharist we've been looking at over the last three episodes. The Eucharist as sacrifice, the Eucharist as real presence, and the Eucharist as Holy Communion. So again, write a review if you haven't had a chance to already on iTunes. And uh, if you have any questions about the Eucharist or anything else, you can always reach me on my website, edwards3.com, or on Facebook or Twitter. God bless.